Hello, and welcome to the Gestalt IT On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. Each week, we bring you a great topic being discussed by luminaries in the IT space. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a network analyst and event lead at Gestalt IT, and we have some great guests that I'd like to introduce today. Hi, Enrico Sorge, uh, on Twitter, Barry Fields. I work as a technical marketing engineer, cybersecurity in Italtel. Hi, my name is Corey Younger. I'm on the Twitters at SDN Daughter, and I am the co-founder and host of Total Packets Webcast. Hi, I'm Jerry Gamblin. I'm on Twitter at, at Networking Nerd. I'm a security researcher and uh, ethical hacker. Well, it appears that I now have myself an impersonation man in the middle. All right. Thank you all very much for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Um, Alexa, order me four cases of toilet paper. Confirm. And if that just set off your smart speaker, you probably have IoT devices in your house. Okay, Google, why don't you tell me how much a blue whale weighs? And that probably set one off, too. Um, It's kind of interesting that this is something that happens, and it causes us to have problems in our everyday life. The premise of this episode is that IoT is actually making our society less secure. I'm going to turn it over to our guests to debate this. What do you think? So... I'm very curious, um, you know, you set off Alexa's and Google's in our audience's homes right now, um, but I'm very interested in the uh, enterprise space and how uh, the adoption of that will increase um, security concerns for uh, companies as a whole. However, I think that within our homes, the risk is a little bit smaller. Um, There's not as much information other than you know, your purchasing history, what books you're reading, um, and the like. But I'm very interested as these become more accepted, um, how the adoption of that is going to change our uh, reality of hacking. So, so we, we, we think, let's think about it like this, because let's take this enterprise idea for an example. And, and we always talk about smart speakers because they're the one thing that, we, that a lot of people can kind of wrap their head around. But let's take another IoT device that is a consumer-focused product that is being introduced into enterprises, smart light bulbs. So I go to the store and I buy a Philips Hue light bulb because I want to change the light bulb colors in my office. Well, how do you change the light bulb color? You have an app that connects to the light bulb via Wi-Fi. Now I have an open attack surface because if I can figure out how to connect to that light bulb, now I've got a problem because maybe it's something as simple as flicking the lights on and off in your office to annoy the living daylights out of you. Or maybe it's something even more nefarious because now I have an entry point into the rest of your network. Is, is perhaps the problem that the consumer IoT devices that we are purchasing and hijacking into the enterprises causing those enterprises to be less secure? Let's, let's make sure that we are, are all talking the same language here. Uh, there's a huge difference between privacy and security. Okay. If we're talking about do IoT devices infringe on the individual user's privacy, that, that's one discussion, and we can have that from a different direction. If we're talking about do IoT devices on a whole make an organization or your house less secure, I am going to say no to that, right? They're very focusedly built. They're built as cheaply as possible, so they are very, very small attack surfaces, right? Yeah, they have an API, and I can get in and flick the lights on. But most hackers don't operate that way, right? I might be able to turn on and off your lights in your office, but I can't install Netcat on there and pivot to, and, and pivot to your what I'm trying to find, to your MacBook or to, to your SAN on your network, right? So when you're talking about pure security, 
IoT devices are so so minimally built that their attack surface is just as minimal. I would it would be harder to hack a network that has 10 Google Homes on it than it is to hack a network that has 10 MacBook Pros on it. Yeah, you're right. In fact, the point is that uh, uh, you need to have uh, the this uh, this object that should be secure by design and uh, should allow to be updated in case of uh, uh, bugs, in case of the uh, something bad happen in the security research. You know, we are still researching on all the possible possible uh, um, ways of exploiting new new systems. And uh, an IoT object that is a sensor or or, uh, or an actuator uh, could be could be potentially a bomb in your home or in your office. Uh, or even in your production line environment where uh, if something bad happens, uh, it's not about privacy or uh, 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 it's about the safety of the people. Think about workers that rely on objects uh, on taking decisions. And if uh, this type of information uh, is faked or it doesn't arrive to the workers, they are uh, in trouble. They are in danger. So I will second what Jerry said. Definitely the privacy versus security is um, definitely two different debates. It's no doubt that our privacy is at risk, um, especially with smart devices that literally are keeping a log of everything you say to them at all times. And that's not even considering the times that Tom, you know, triggers your Alexa to listen to whatever you may be talking about at that moment. But back to the security risks and kind of going over to what Enrico said, um, you know, so we're using these devices uh, to automate our workplace. And Tom gave the example of having the lights in our office. Um, you know, we're talking about uh, Alexas and voice automated devices. But what about those other IoT devices on the network? Um, when you're talking about data storage, um, how about those uh, nice little Nest thermostats that you can control um, the temperature of an environment while if you're in an office space, that may be just annoying if it's getting really cold or really hot. Um, but what if that nest is controlling uh, where your data center sits um, and then you're overheating? What if you're shutting down the AC? Um, so I do think that that is a huge security risk that we may not be thinking about um, yeah. with IoT devices. So I want to actually piggyback on something that I think Jerry is about to say about this. So in that specific case, let's just say that someone manages to guess the password to my Nest or they get close enough that they can connect to it. Is the Nest the problem or is it the fact that you're running your data center cooling solution off of a $200 thermostat? Because you've already made a decision there that you have to be very careful about. It's like we are having a discussion a couple of nights ago about this. Is the fact that you left the door unlocked to your house a security lapse? Like you don't blame the door. You blame the fact that you didn't have another, like you didn't have an alarm or you didn't have another way of, of telling, you know, like you have a ring doorbell or something like that. I mean, you know, we can't, I can't blame all my webcams that I go to showdan.io to look at for being insecure. What I can blame is the fact that I left them open and that people know where to look for those things. So do, do you think that the real problem in IoT is not that IoT is insecure, because Jerry says it's not, but the fact that we're deploying it everywhere and it's kind of opening up all these extra attack surfaces because we're doing things with it we really shouldn't be doing. Yeah, and you know, is there enough hesitancy around that? Um, I, going back to Alexa's, I think about um, 
you know, Alexas are now sitting on directors and CIOs desks, um, in dorm rooms and in office spaces. What was once just a device for our home is now entering the corporate world. So at what point does that stop? Jerry? And, and I want to make a point where when I said they weren't, that they're, they're not insecure, I meant that they're not a giant attack surface, right? right. They're, they're hard to pivot off of. They're not going to cause you to, you know, somebody's not going to pivot off of your Alexa and then hack your whole network. What might happen is that they'll figure out a way to annoy you, to reset your Alexa, mm -hmm. to make it play your least favorite song, et cetera, et cetera. The, the problem with these devices is the problem with the network in general. It's just exploding. That's why we're going to IPv6. That's why every human has, what, 256 IP addresses under that scheme, right? Like, we're all getting devices that are connected all the time. And many of these devices aren't security issues. They're privacy issues, right? There was just a big article in the New York Times a few weeks ago about how many iOS apps leak leak your location data, and they were able to track the, the New York mayor through a day, right? Like they said, oh, look, here's a guy who, who happens to go to the mayor's office, who happens to go to the gym, everybody knows the mayor works at, and then happens to go to where the mayor's house is at night. That's his phone, right? So that's not a security issue. That's a privacy issue. And, and I just want to split those two up once again. And I think that that's a really important point, because in our society, we equate security with privacy, personally. So when we think of security as security professionals, there's a whole host of things we have to worry about. We have to worry about least privilege. We have to worry about role-based access controls. We have to worry about guard dogs and fire sprinklers. Those are considered physical security measures, right? But for us personally, I mean, physical security is I lock the door, I change the passcode on my smart lock, and I don't have to worry about it. But it's an invasion of privacy if someone comes up and notices that the certain numbers are rubbed off on my smart lock and they're able to guess my password and, or my passcode in a couple of really quick searches. It's not a security risk, necessarily. The device, like you said, the device itself is not insecure. It's your use of the device that causes you to be open to security risks and privacy risks. And people have to understand that you know, this app itself isn't insecure but it's definitely not secured for privacy. One of my favorite examples of this is that the FBI uses a technique that not a lot of people know about. Every car built since the late 90s have a tire pressure sensor in them. Those tire pressure sensors uh, send out RF signals. And the Supreme Court ruled that if you're sending out an RF signal and somebody happens to, to pick it up, that's not a violation of your Fifth Amendment rights, right, for unreasonable search and seizure. So. The FBI now has these cool devices that if they want to figure out where people go, they can sit in your neighborhood, and it'll read all the RFs from your tires. And when you drive by, it'll say, oh, hey, this TPS module rolled through. So we saw when it came in. Oh, it left. So now they, they're building a record because your tires are leaking private information to everybody in the world just so you can get that little orange light on your dash. So you talk about that being a security risk. So why is the ability to track someone's location through applications, why is that not a security no, risk? No, no, that's a privacy risk, not a security risk. Like, security would be I could hack into your TPS monitor, and if you have one of the cars that auto-inflates it, I can over-inflate your tire and blow it up. That would be a security risk and a security breach. If it just tells me that, like, hey, this tire has 38 pounds of pressure in it, that's just a privacy issue. So maybe a better example in that case would be 
The TPMS leaking your location data because you can do an RF fingerprint on it is a privacy issue, but the fact that I can hack the infotainment system of the car and get into the engine's control block and cause it to drive off the road yeah. is a security issue. Yep. I mean, I think that tracking your location is a physical security issue as well. Um, I mean, I know we're all IT people, we're talking about like data privacy and the security of data, but think about physical security. Think about you know, presidential assassinations. If you're able to track a president's location in real time, which we're getting close to, um, it, is that a real risk? And so are those devices that are allowing you to track that, are those devices to blame or is it, or are we to blame for constantly being connected? So the point that, yes, yeah, so you're right. So the, the point is that privacy and security are in some way connected. Now, technically speaking, they have a different uh, approaches to, 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 the, to highlight the, the, the weaknesses of this system. But of course, the information that the things uh, uh, have, uh, like uh, we are talking about an RFID system or uh, an intelligent uh, smart home, smart hub, uh, as both privacy and security issues as well, uh, depending on uh, what are the threats that are hitting them. Yeah. I mean, we can have denial of service attacks within, um, You're right. within different systems. So what about when somebody allows your door not to lock? Um, you know, obviously we have physical backups for that, but are we going to get to a world where that doesn't exist? We're not even to 2020 yet, so when do we forget about those manual security devices? Yeah, yeah. Jerry? I'm not, no, no. Yeah, oh, okay. Just think about also the, the problems uh, regarding denial of services. Uh, if someone can take controls of your uh, smart objects, uh, and uh, uh, get, create new zombie networks like Mirai Botnet and launch an attack to an external entity on the net. This is a security issue, not privacy, of course, but uh, uh, you have responsibility of what uh, you are doing with your uh, internet connection, no? So, so, so the actual, and it's good that you brought that up because I was actually going to talk about the Mirai Botnet and some of the Xiaomi problems. That was a hard-coded security risk in a, an IoT device. And Jerry, to your point, once you got into the device, there really wasn't a whole lot you could do with it, except someone figured out how to use it as an amplifier for a DDoS attack. So it, was, uh, it basically was the MacGyver attack, where you try to find a unique way to use an everyday object to do something different than what it was intended to do. And just for technical kind of clarity, that attack only worked because those devices were on the public internet, and they had port 23 open. They had Telnet open to the world on the public internet. Yeah. So that, again, was, that was an example of an IoT device being built insecurely. You'd have mm -hmm. a hard time finding anything from Nest or Ring that, that is built that openly, right? Like, like, the, like we talk about that a lot at work. That, that botnet was, was launched under a very, very narrow set of circumstances, right? Mm -hmm. It was basically running a version of Linux. They basically had Telnet open on it, and you had to have that exposed to the internet for that attack to work. So let's think about that because we talked a little bit about the fact that, that there's a security versus privacy issue, whether or not those devices are inherently secure or not, and how, they're, how the possibility of the interaction with those devices with our other enterprise controls could create problems. But one of the things we keep hearing about is a zero trust security model. I'm just going to assume that whatever's connected to my network should never be trusted for any reason, 
Does that mitigate the problems that we run into? No. So I, I, I want to introduce kind of a new phrase that's floating around, right? Like zero trust is for the enterprise network. Okay. These IoT devices come with something called zero support. <laughs> okay. I mean, they're, they're built in a way where that Google doesn't have to have somebody to help you hook up your Google Home or your Nest thermostat. And we all know when you add security, you add complexity, you add complexity, you have to have support, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if I have to have a huge password for my Google Home and I have to have all these steps and to build it where most security people would be like, oh, this is super secure, it is going to cost Google money and Google's not a charity, so now your $39 Google Home now costs you $89 and a $10 a year fee so that they can keep, you know, keep all these security requirements they have. So they're running in, you know, in a zero support model. So they build it to be secure as is, but in a way that it needs as little support and maintenance and handholding as possible. So that when you send a Google Home to your, to your grandparents for Christmas, they can plug it into their network and it's going to be able to connect to any kind of network setting and just go without right. a lot of yeah. support. But for the, the same reason when uh, uh, in Europe or here in the States uh, we, we buy uh, food and we want that is uh, good and doesn't contain any, uh, any, any bad thing, uh, for the same thing, uh, the government should uh, push the industry to have a certification process for the cybersecurity. In Europe, they are putting a sort of certification scheme with certified competence center, both to, to, to check the security and to, to continue to control the security of the stuff that goes to the consumer as well to the industry. Because unless, if we are thinking about, as you said, uh, the, uh, uh, the value of the product that you are selling, uh, they will not do it because if the price is higher, they will not sell it. But if everyone on the market should have the same rule of securing the things, everyone will be virtuous in giving to the customers a product that is secure and is maintained secure because now it's secure when I buy it. But I want to be sure that for the next two or three years, I will receive updates to the firmware to patch new and older vulnerabilities. Uh, this is a real problem. I have a friend who works at Netflix and their embedded devices group, and they have not stopped supporting a device yet, right? They're a 10-year-old company. <laughs> They're still supporting the very first devices that they shipped because people who have that first smart TV or that first smart Roku box and don't want to get rid of it because they watch you know, Netflix twice a month Netflix is like, we have to support those because if they're not using the process a lot and we cut it off, they're going to cancel their membership. So it's smarter for them to keep supporting that 10-year-old technology than it is to say, oh, for security reasons, we're going to stop supporting that. It's a matter between profit and security, for, not, it, it not only not privacy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess you're right. It does have to come from the government. It has to be forced upon us. Um, I guess it always comes down to money, right? That, that, that's the great equalizer is how much is it going to cost for me to deal with this? I've, I've been in more than one meeting where I said, just tell, here's what I'd like to do, but I also really like getting a check every two weeks. And if this stops, you know, if my security perfection stops me from getting a check, let's do the thing where I get my check, right? Yeah, and I, that's, that's fair. Also, so we don't think about security until it's too late usually. Mm -hmm. um, so especially for, you know, you say, these IoT devices, they're not that large of a risk. There's not that much that you can do with them. Do you guys think that 
those government protocols will ever come until something big happens? And will something big ever happen? Something has already happened in the past. So uh, also the 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 the, 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 the security, the cybersecurity, and the political uh, issues, uh, or the national state-sponsored attacks, uh, could drive the adoption of, of this type of uh, defenses uh, for uh, for the, the single states. Regulation doesn't win. Regulation hardly ever wins. As an American, I can say yeah. that. As a European, it's a little harder. Yeah, you're right. But in in here, the best idea wins. Being more secure wins. Being faster wins. And you know, we'll get there. We will start doing that, right? Like, the government said you needed one airbag in your car, right? Now you can't buy a car without eight airbags. The government doesn't say you have to have side curtain airbags and reverse. But you know who says that? Moms who have soccer, you know, soccer moms who want their kids to be safe. So, so the, it, you know, the car industry says, hey, let's put these in here because people want them. When people start to say, hey, I'm willing to pay more for my Google Home to make it more secure, Google's going to be like, we'll take your extra 20 bucks. Here's the Google Plus security model. Yeah, it's all also about uh, education and awareness of the, yeah. the consumer that uh, they are not aware that uh, when I, I buy a smart uh, stuff, uh, I need to understand also how is managed my privacy and how is managed the security of the device itself. It's, uh, it's about culture. Well, I think that that's actually a really good point, is there's a, an old saying, well, it's actually not old, it's relatively new, that the S in IoT stands for security. And if you can find it, good luck. But you know, <laughs> kind of as we, as we discussed here, IoT devices themselves, on the whole, are not inherently insecure. It's probably their usage. But at the same time, you're doing a trade-off. If you wanted a super secure system, you'd pay more for one. And perhaps the key is, is that you need to push back on the people who are making these devices and make sure that they at least know how secure they are so that they can find the next Mirai botnet before it happens. Or they won't find the next big thing that's going to be exploited. Or they won't find a way to unlock your door remotely or crash your car through the infotainment system. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us today. This has been a great episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. If you would like to check out more episodes of this podcast, you can always find the latest episode on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also find us in iTunes. And if you did find us in iTunes, would do us a favor, leave a review, leave us a rating, because that allows us to spread throughout the Apple network and people can find us. And the more people listening to this, the more premises that we'll have to debate over the you know course of the next few months and keep you guys all entertained. So for my wonderful guests, for the people at Gestalt IT, and for Alexa, Cortana, Siri, and whatever other smart devices that you have in your house that just started talking to you, thanks for watching.